Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I'm telling you what, our worship team is top notch. When it comes to anointing, I mean, they got it going on. They got it going on. God's doing something special in our worship team right now. And I think that it's just the beginning. (laughs) They have broken through a ceiling and they're on their way to the next level. And I'm telling you what, good things, great things are happening in our worship team. And I appreciate them so much for just ushering in that sweet presence of God that we feel right now. Happy Mother's Day. Yay. This is my Mother's Day present. (laughs) I appreciate my husband so much, and I just love him so much. And he he gives me the pulpit for Mother's Day. And and, um, it's funny because he says, uh, you know, he was doing, he goes, can I do your PowerPoint? So he did my PowerPoint. Didn't he do a good job? Yay. And he goes, that's not a Mother's Day message. (laughs) And I said, well, I have to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I try, I try, I try, but I got to, ultimately, God's in charge, and he has a word that he wants to speak to your lives today. We had a good time in first service, and um, I'm just, I'm excited to be here for second service, and just to see what he's going to do with you guys, amen? First of all, I just want to honor all the moms and the grandmas, and I wanted to say something specifically to um, to those young mothers that have the little ones right now, you know, uh, <laughs> we've been there. We've been there. You know, when your kids just fight, fight, fight all the time. <laughs> yes, those boys. And, you know, you don't know if from day to day if you're even, they're even going to survive the day, let alone grow up to be productive adults. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, if you're consistent with them, and one thing that we did right, we did a lot, made a lot of mistakes raising our kids because we're human. One thing that we did right was we brought them to church. We taught them the Bible. Amen. We taught them that they needed a rela- their own relationship with God. Amen. And then we let Holy Spirit do the rest. Amen. And I'm telling you what, it's the grace of God. And it's God's hand on their lives is why my kids are all in church and serving God. And I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, God, we... <laughs> I give you all the praise and glory because you know the mistakes I've made. <laughs> so have hope have, um, that it won't always be this way. <laughs> and you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, so I want to honor the moms and the grandmas and the aunts and the teachers and the nurses and medical staff and anyone, neighbors, anyone that has had a part in raising children, you know, not all of us have children of our own, but you have had a part in raising someone, and you have had been an influence in someone's life, and so whether you're a biological mother or you're just a mother at heart, I want to honor you. Amen. Amen. You know, we, God, God's the one that sees everything that we do, and, um, and I just want you guys to know that he sees you, and he loves you, and um, I just want to pray grace over you right now. And so let's um, let's just lift our hands, ladies. Lift your hands right now. Hallelujah. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, I just pray over my sisters. God, the women of this church, God. God, you know that it, we know that it takes a village to raise, a, a, that, to raise children. And Lord God, I thank you for this village of ladies that are here in our, in our house today, Lord God, that are online, Lord God. And I just pray a special blessing over their lives right now. Grace and mercy upon their lives, Lord God. Supernatural grace over them. Father God, I pray healing for those that may have a, a, a hurting heart today. Lord God, a heavy heart, I just pray that you would just lift them up. We break that oil of joy, that, 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 um, oh, that vial of joy over their lives right now. That would be the joy, the salve, that, that balm of Gilead to, to soothe their hearts right now, Lord God. And I just pray encouragement and strength and blessings over their lives today, God. I thank you. I'm so thankful for the mothers that are in my life. And I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you are leading us all, Lord God, to, in everything that we do. And I just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, well, I have a few little, I don't know what they're called. They are called jokes, but we'll see. I wanted to do memes, but John had me cleaning the garage all day yesterday, so I ran out of, I ran out of time and energy, yeah, you know. But it's done, finally. What, three years we've been in the house, we finally unpacked everything, <laughs> or at least went through it, yeah. All right, so last year on Mother's Day, we had a big family get-together. Oh, afterwards, my mom started getting ready to do the dishes. Of course, I couldn't let her do that on her special day. So I said, leave the dishes, Mom. You can always do them tomorrow. <laughs> Someone said that working mothers are guinea pigs in a scientific experiment to show that sleep is not necessary to human life. <laughs> yes. For two solid hours, the lady sitting next to a man on an airplane had told him about her grandchildren. She had even produced a plastic fold-out photo album of all nine of her grandchildren. She finally realized that she had dominated the entire conversation on her grandchildren. Oh, I've done all the talking and I'm so sorry. I know you certainly have something to say. So please, tell me, what do you think of my grandchildren? <laughs> Yeah, that, I like that one. Didn't he do a good job for announcements today? <laughs> and Titus, the, they, well, the reason why they have Titus do announcements is because he always talks, and that's the only way he'll be quiet during announcements, is if they're holding him and, and he's in front of the camera. So, <laughs> Love my grandchildren. Oh, I'm so honored to be in front of you today and to be able to share with you what God has put on my heart. Um, John's sermon a couple weeks ago was a great introduction to this message. If you haven't heard it, you, either should, uh, you should either get the CD or go online and listen. It was on being a doer of the word, and he just set the groundwork for what um, God was speaking to me. I kept telling Pastor Howie, I kept saying, he's preaching my message. But that's okay, because you know what? It's something that the Holy Spirit wants you to know, and that's okay, if, and that just was confirmation. I didn't know if this was actually the message that I really should be preaching. Um, God had downloaded a message to me um, back in November. I mean, it was like this pretty powerful download. And um, 
And I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. And, uh, but a couple months ago, it all shifted. And he said, nope, this is it right here. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is what we get. And like I said, we had a great time in first service. So, so I, hope, I hope you guys get something out of it. Um, and then Rosemary did a sermon uh, a couple Wednesdays ago on uh, going after God's abundance in our lives. And so that also is like the three of them. So this is like part three of what God wants to, wants to talk about as far as in this, in this vein. And so we're going to talk about taking the offensive. You know, it's no secret, if you know me, that I love football. Right. I love football. I've been watching. I don't care for baseball. I don't, I don't understand soccer. Don't even get me started on hockey. <laughs> but, um, yeah, football. I've been watching online, you know, the Arizona Cardinals. They've got all kinds of stuff online. And I've been watching, you know, their draft picks. And we've got to talk about that. Where's Andy? We've got to talk about that, you know. And their draft picks and their new guys that they're getting on and everything. And so what they're doing right now is they're building a brand-new offensive line. Okay, which if anybody knows the Cardinals, they definitely need it. But how many of you guys know, in almost any sport, um, but especially in football, you need a good offense, okay? And 90% um, of the game is won from the offense, okay? The defense is great, and there is that, that, that exception um, a few years ago, the uh, Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl from their defense. They didn't win it with their multi-million dollar quarterback. They won it from their defense. And so, but that doesn't happen every time. So what the defense's job is, is to hold, hold, the, hold the other team back. But the offense's job is to gain ground and to move it down the field. Okay? So God is challenging us today to stop being defensive, stop holding the enemy off, and let's start gaining spiritual ground. Let's go on the offensive, not be offended. No, I'm not saying that. Don't be offended. We're taking, we're going to go on the offense. We're taking the battle to the gate. We're progressing. You know, there are times in the battle where, because where, life is a battle, right? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes on, 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 you know, those battle days, it's like, oh, my gosh. Some days are worse than others. Yes. But even on the good days, we need to learn how to take the offensive, how to gain ground. You know, it's okay to stand, but God has called us to do more than that. And that's what I want to talk about today. Let's go ahead and let's look at, well... Um, and we're going to start off in Joshua, the book of Joshua. And the thing that I like about Joshua is Joshua was a guy that he was able to, um, he was able to go from slavery to promise. Okay? He, he went from slavery. He was born in slavery in Egypt. Okay? He felt that oppression of the taskmasters. He felt that. Um, you know, the fear. <laughs> he was, you know, of not being, I don't know, he was one of the, the boys that survived. Yeah. You know, when you think about that, he was one of the little boys that survived when they were trying to, 
they were trying to get rid of, you know, when, when Pharaoh said, hey, all those little boys need to, need to be put to death. And so he was one that survived. I mean, you think about that. He saw the redemption of Israel. He saw the miracles of God in the desert. He walked across the Red Sea on dry land. He ate manna, you know. He stood on Mount Zion and heard the voice of God. You know, you go through and read through that part of the Bible. And it's just amazing to see. He went into the promised land and he said, we can take the land. And then he was one of the ones that had to turn around because of the disbelief of his brethren and wander for 40 more years in the wilderness. But because he maintained a right heart, because he maintained that, that right heart and he kept his eyes focused on God, God chose him to deliver, to bring about the promise that he had promised the gener generations and generations before. He saw that. He led them into that promise. And so the book of Joshua is a tremendous book that tells, that tells his story. But there was another guy that also was able to participate. Because remember, there were two. And his name was Caleb. And I love Caleb. And that's where we're going to start today, is we're going to take a look at Caleb's life. See, in... Um, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan and then, you know, God gave them Jericho and everything, they were five years, they were five years um, conquering the land, okay? They didn't get to settle. They were five years in conquering the land. If you look at chapter 12 of Joshua, um, you can see the line, the list of all of the kings that were defeated, okay? You see the list of all the kings that were defeated and all the land that they were able to take as a nation, you know, this was a mandate that God gave them. God had promised this land to their father, Abraham. And um, they, had, they had heard about this promise their entire life. And so it took them five years. They spent five years going through and dominating, basically dominating the land. And so then in chapter 13, God looks at Joshua and says, you're an old man now. <laughs> and... Um, he says, it's time for you to live in your promise, you know? And I see that as a loving father saying, it's time to, it's time to enjoy the benefits. Yeah, there's more land to be conquered. You need to teach the people how to conquer that land, okay? They need to do that on their own. And if you read through, as I was studying this out, I was noticing that God was saying, okay, we've done the, I've done a lot of the work, and I am still with you, but you need to learn to do it yourself. And the people need to learn to do it themselves. And if they need help, they can call their brethren. But they need to take possession of their own land, and they need to know how to do it themselves. So in chapter 13, he, he looks at Joshua, and he said, it's time to start uh, divvying up the land, okay? So we're going to look at Joshua 14. We're going to pick up the story in Joshua chapter 14. Because here we find Caleb, and Caleb brings in a delegation. Now, I love this. I love this about him. Because think about Caleb, okay? Think about Joshua and Caleb. And they, you know, and the, the heartbreak they felt when God sent them back into the desert. 
And they were like, we can do this. Did you guys not know that we belong to the most high God? Do you not know who our God is? But yet, because of the unfaithfulness, because of the fear of their brethren, they were sent into the desert. Not for a year, not for five, but for 40 years. They were sent to wander in the wilderness. And so what I picture Caleb doing is I picture Caleb going in there and saying, that's okay, because he scouted the land out, and he scouted out what he wanted his property to be. He knew his territory. And I bet you those 40 years, he kept that in his mind. He could close his eyes and he could see the trees. He could see the fruit. He could see the hill country. When all that was in front of him was brown desert, he could see the lush greenness of his promised land. He would share that with his children. He would share that with his grandchildren. When things got rough, he'd say, hey, guess what? 30 more years to go. <laughs> 30 more years and we're going to be drinking from this brook. There was this brook over there. And it had such sweet, cool water. You know, can you hear it? Can you picture it? Yes, and so I think that that's what got him through. And even in through the five years of, of fighting through and, and establishing dominion, and then finally here comes the day that Joshua says, all right, let's go take part of our promise. So here he comes in, not just by himself. Oh, no, Josh, Caleb's going to bring a delegation. Come on, boys, let's go. Let's go take our land. Let's go get it. Let's go get what God promised us. Hey, you know what? The rest of y'all, you guys make sure that when we get back, you are ready to move. You're ready to roll because we are done. We have, <laughs> I've got a pasture land that's waiting for me, and it's even got cows on it. Amen. And I'm going to take it. So let's read about this. Joshua 14, 6 through 15. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea? See, he's bringing that back. So Joshua's memory, and I'm sure Joshua knew, but he's going to humor him. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave from my heart a good report. But my brothers who weren't with me frightened the people and discouraged them from entering the promised land. For my part, I followed the Lord of my God completely. So that day, Moses promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your special possession and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, and even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So I'm asking you to give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the Anakites living there in great walled cities. But if the Lord was with, is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. Notice he didn't say, hey, I've got my guys. We can take this. No. Right. 
He says, even I gotta go, I have to go by myself. I got God on my side, Amen. and that's my land. Amen. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as an inheritance. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Shephunah, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, previously, Hebron had been called Kirith Arba, and it had been named after Arba, the great hero of the Anakites. And the Anakites were giants and big guys, not, maybe not like Goliath type thing, but they were, they were pretty big guys. And the land had rest from war. God was giving them a season of peace. He's like, okay, it's time to rest. It's time to rest in your promise, okay? And I think that God wants to bring us into our promise. And then later on, once we're in our promise, then we can rest, okay? But some of us, all we want to do is rest. All we want to do is, you know, we went to visit Amy, and her dad said almost every day that we were up there for seven days. <laughs> how much she needed to get a job. <laughs> and he said, and you need to take any job. Start applying, start applying here, start applying there. You want to be a receptionist, you need to go here, you need to go there. <laughs> and she's like, okay, are you gone yet? You know? <laughs> it's not the time to rest. It's time to go get your job. <laughs> and we are praying that she finds that job soon. <laughs> love you if you're watching love you okay I gotta get back on track so we have this picture of Caleb who goes in and he's ready to go now let's look at a contrast let's look at something different in Joshua chapter 18 we see the children of Israel and actually it's almost like they're, they're building the tabernacle and they're setting that up. And it's like, I have this picture of Joshua and he's got his, you know, his horses packed. He's got his wagon ready to go and he's heading out to his promise. And then he looks around and he's like, holy cow, because there were seven other tribes just sitting around, just sitting around. Now, I know that I teach science, but I know that math is not always my strong suit, but 12 minus seven is a lot. <laughs> That's over half of the nation, okay? That's over half of the nation that was sitting there not doing anything, hanging out. He's like, what is going on? And the Bible says that Joshua looks at them and he says, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you. Right. How long are you going to wait before taking possession? See, they were used to fighting as a group. And they were a little afraid to go out on their own, to venture out on their own, and to take their own land. And Joshua's saying, you know, we gave you five years. We've shown you how to do it. We've shown you that God is on your side. We've shown you that you need, to live, you need to just do it. How long before you take possession of your promise? And I feel like this is what God is asking some of us. You know, as life comes at us and we get so bogged down with the minutia of life, with all of the 
garbage that comes in and everything that comes at us and, and everything. And we get so bogged down that we forget that we're children of the Most High King. Amen. That we forget that the blood of Jesus paid for us so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Today, here, on this planet, not when we get to, yeah, when we get to heaven, we're gonna, it's gonna be good. No, it's gonna be good. But should Jesus tarry and I live out my life, <laughs> I still got a little ways to go. <laughs> and I wanna see that abundant life now. Now, in my life. You know, um, I know that John has shared before, you know, we started this, new, this year out and uh, not on a very good <laughs> foot, you know. I have titled it the 90 days of January. <laughs> because we've gone through, we went through 90 days worth of trials and tribulations in that 30-day period, you know. And it was tough. But one of the things that got me through was Psalms 27. And that that's such a great scripture. But the last verse of song, next to the last verse of Psalms 27, it says, I am convinced that I will see the goodness of God here in the land of the living. Amen. Here in the land of the living. Not in the sweet, yes, in the sweet by and by. We're definitely going to see the goodness of God. But I am convinced that I will see the goodness of God here Amen. in the land of the living. And I, see, and I see so many people that they just, they don't understand. And we don't understand how much God wants for us. You know, life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. He wants us to have good health, Amen. financial provision. Amen. He wants salvation for our household, our families. He wants to give us joy. He wants to give us peace. That's abundant life. That's abundant life here in the land of the living. Just because, you know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we have to take this oath that we're going to, you know, be tormented our whole lives. What good is that? Who wants to do that? Not me. I don't want to do that. But God is so good. And God is off there so much more. And what he wants us to do, what he's telling us to do today is to stand up and take the offensive. Amen. To stand up and claim the promises the promises that are in this book Amen. to live life as he has designated it. Amen. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't know, is I'd have to give up this and I have to give up that. I'm telling you, the closer I get to him, I don't want any of that other garbage. Amen. You know, there's times I teach seventh grade. Uh -oh. I'm telling you, hormones galore. <laughs> I walk outside my door and... 12 and 13 year olds are hugging and kissing. I said, get your hands off each other. You are children. <laughs> I'm telling you, you are children. Oh, I'm 14. You're a child. Get your hands off of her. Not his favorite teacher, by the way. <laughs> Where was I going with that? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you what, I can tell you, life can get pretty busy and life can get pretty <laughs> overwhelming at times. Life can get pretty overwhelming at times. But God has promises that we need to, we need to take a stand and we need to understand what God's promises are for our lives. So, so what I have done, I found, you know, I've, I, I have kind of had this holy dissatisfaction. Is that the right, the word I'm looking for? I'm not satisfied with what my spiritual life was like. I wasn't satisfied. I'm kind of, I am kind of now, but I wasn't satisfied. I said, God, I don't, you know, if this is all there is to living life and if this is all there is to have, I, I don't see the abundance in my life. And so I started praying and, and it drove me into intercession and it drove me into this wonderful journey of intimacy. And so that's what I'm preaching on today, or preaching from today is my, my journey of intimacy with the Father. And, um, you know, I never understood that meaning when people would say, oh, you got to love Jesus more than you love your wife. Or you have to, you know, I want to find a husband that loves God more than me. And I never understood that. Even being raised in church, you know, my, my dad got saved. My parents got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was less than one years old. And we were living life. We were living, the, we were living, you know, the Christian life and, yes. and had church all the time. You know, that's, that was us. But I didn't understand that close, intimate relationship until I started really searching for it and really hungering for it and saying, okay, God, I have you up here. Now I need you in here. Yes. And it wasn't until just, <laughs> just a few years ago that it really hit home for me. That it's like, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. Love my husband. But I love God. Yes. And so I asked him, I said, God, there is something more to equipping the saints than just, you know, than, than what I'm getting. I, I, I need to know how to equip myself for battle. And so he took me to Ephesians chapter 6. And um, what he showed me, though, because we, you know, we teach this. I've taught children's church for 22 years now. Wow. And, you know, we teach the kids the, the, the armor of God, taking on the full armor of God, and what it means. And we've taught them, and I was taught my whole life and everything. But it wasn't until I asked him, I says, okay, God, how, how do I apply this to my life? And he gave me a strategy that I'm going to share with you today. And um, I'm telling you what. It, it just really has, it has changed my life. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17 in the New Living Translation. says, a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Notice it says put on. That means that it's your choice. Yeah. You do it. Put on all, ooh, all, that's a good word too. All of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all, not just some, but how many? All. Oh. 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 All strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness. Now notice, he didn't say that these powers of darkness were wimpy. They're pretty mighty. We're not saying that this is going to be an easy battle. We're just saying that you win. <laughs> against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against the wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece. It's not a menu. It's not just picking and choosing. 
every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. After the battle, you will still be standing firm. I'm so tired of after a battle, I'm laying there bloody, beat up, on the battlefield saying, I hope I don't have to do that again. <laughs> now, I don't want to do that again anyways. But if we're clothed in the armor, all the armor that he has intended for us, then after the battle, we will be standing firm. Amen. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle... You will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Aimed at you. He is aiming things at you. But with our shield of faith, we can stop them. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? A lot of times we stop there. All right. We're done. But as I was going through this and I was meditating and, and I was praying through this, God showed me that we are missing a vital element to our armor and that vital element is found in verse 18 pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the holy spirit stay alert and persistent in your prayers persistent in your prayers for all christians everywhere not just praying for ourselves you know i would go through i am getting a little older you know hate it I'm getting a little older, so, you know, I get a little few more aches and pains than I used to. So if something's bugging me, like my knee, don't say that. <laughs> he said it gets worse. I was like, no. <laughs> if I, like, you know, if I get my, my knee gets to be bugging me or my hip gets to be bugging me or, you know, I just start praying. Lord, anybody that's got hip problems right now, I just pray for them. You know, anybody that's got knee, problems in their knees right now, Lord God, I pray for them. And I just send those prayers out. And guess what? I turn around and a little while later, it's like, oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> you know, you know. And so, so he's saying, go back to that verse for a second, please. And so he's saying, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for Christians everywhere. Let's look at our example, Jesus. Jesus is our example. And when he wasn't preaching and he wasn't talking to his disciples, what was he doing? He was praying. He was praying. He always found time to go spend time with his father. When um, we want to talk to God, what do we got to do? We got to pray. How do we talk to God directly? We pray. I mean, we talk to God like this. You know, I'd be driving down the road and I'd talk to him. But it's, it's a form of prayer. Okay? It's a form of prayer. It's that communication. Someone after first service, he goes, I quit praying years ago. And i like, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I just communicate with my father now. Amen. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll take that one. Right. Yeah, I'll take that one. Pray at all times and on every occasion. And what God has showed me is that this is like the straps that keeps our armor in place. Yeah. You know, have you ever had a hat or something? Uh, you know, <laughs> you've been to Disneyland and you get some Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> and the... Uh, the strap breaks, those little plastic things break. Now it's like all over your head and it won't stay on your head. And yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my pain right there. <laughs> Have you ever had, you know, 
You're wearing your pair of sandals and your favorite pair of sandals and the strap breaks. Yeah. And you're out in public and you can't get home. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying, you know? Prayer is what holds our spiritual armor yes. in place. Yeah. Tightens it down. Keeps our body protected, our spirit man protected. Yeah. And if we say, oh, I don't have time for prayer, you need to find time for prayer. Amen. I'm telling you, it is vital. So what God has done is he has given me a strategy for praying through the armor of God. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this to you. This is taken from the Amplified Bible, and I didn't read the Amplified Bible here because it, there's so many, so many wonderful inserts, you know, of descriptive words in there. And so I, I challenge you to, to go through and read this a couple times, meditate on it in the Amplified version. Um, but this is, this is um, what God has given to me, and it's, we have copies of it in the back after service. So if you would like a copy of it, see what God gives to you. See, what, see how he might expand it for you. But what I do is I always start at the top, because then that way I can pray it through and I, um, I can memorize it, okay? So I always start at the top. And this is what he gave me. Hang on. I took some sinus medicine and now I'm just all dry. Ugh. Lord, today I put on my armor so that I may successfully stand against all of the schemes and strategies of the enemy. I fully realize that my fight is not against those around me, but against anything that would be lifted up above you. I put on my helmet of salvation, being full aware of what was paid for by the cross and fully understanding what the sacrifice of Christ means to me as your child. I stand in confident assurance that my thoughts are washed in the blood of Jesus, and all impurities, doubt, and unbelief shall leave my mind. I will set my mind on him and him alone. I put on my breastplate of righteousness, covering and protecting my heart and my spirit. And I know that my righteousness comes from you, and I am in right standing with you because of Jesus. I also pray that while your righteousness covers my heart, that the words that come out of my mouth would be pure and righteous and only from you. For I know that whatever is in my heart will come out of my mouth, according to Luke 6.45. Lord, let people only hear words of life from my lips. I strap on my belt of truth so that I may always stand for moral courage and carry personal integrity. Let me always stand for your truth and to always use Jesus as my example. I put on my shoes of peace. I put them on daily so that I may walk in the peace that I find in your gospel. I stand firm and confident in the face of uncertainty because I have chosen to put on peace daily. I take up my shield of faith because I know that it is through faith that I, as your child, can defeat the evil one and maintain victory over anything that will come against me. Amen. Through faith, I have the full confidence of victory, and I know that any battle I face is already won. Amen. It is through this confidence of faith that I know that every flaming arrow of the enemy is defeated. Amen. I take up my sword, which is your precious word. This is my primary weapon that I can use against any situation. 
Teach me how to use it effectively in order to guarantee victory. Help me to realize that this is a weapon of precision to be used against my spiritual enemies and not a battering ram to be used against others. I fully understand that the only way I will ever be victorious is to hide your word deep in my heart and to meditate on it day and night. In your word is where I will always find victory. Finally, I bathe this armor in prayer. And I know that in prayer, the battle is waged and won, and without it, I will not be victorious. Let my prayers always be guided by your word and your spirit, and let me rise up in full confidence that my battle is already won, and my enemy is totally defeated. Here is where I fight, not alone, but with you as my front and my rear guard. When I know that you are on my side, I know that my prayers are effective and that I am victorious. Yeah. It's because you, you are my champion, you are my captain, and you are my redeemer. Amen. And I love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Good news, Jeff. God would never send us into a battle that he hasn't equipped us to fight and to win. He doesn't, he gives, you know, a lot of times we feel so inadequate. It's because we don't realize what is in the word. We don't realize that this is a sword of precision. We don't realize that this is the mightiest weapon that we can have. That even though when we put on our armor, as we put on that armor, we are ready to step onto the battlefield. But with our sword, we need to understand that we can do anything through him. We can do anything through him. So let's look at other we uh, weapons of our warfare, starting with God's word. You know, if you take the words God's word and you switch them around just a tad bit, move the S over, it gives us a God sword. That's not mine. <laughs> In her book, Girls with Swords, Lisa Bevere brings out a wonderful illustration from the Lord of the Rings. I love her because she's a mom of boys and she watches Lord of the Rings and I do too. And I just, yeah, we just have that kindred spirit there. And there's a part in the movie where these guys are looking at a sword that actually cut the ring off of the hand of Sauron, who is the dark lord of Mordor. And it's lying in pieces in a shrine in the elf kingdom. And so they're standing there. And if you've seen the movie, then you know the scene. But they're standing there and, and they see this sword and it's just all broken up into all these pieces. And it's just a shrine. And... Um, and the reason why I bring this up is because um, what she says in her book is that God gives her a vision of the altar area and all of these pieces of swords laying all over the place. And what it represented is it represents people just grabbing little bitty scriptures here and there and using the token scripture here or the token scripture there and not really getting into the word and using the full word of God as an actual sword. They're using these little pieces and so something would happen and they grab this handle and it's got a broken off sword, okay? 
or they just grab this little piece right here and, and they're trying to, you know, I'm trying to meditate on the word, but, uh, but they're not meditating on the whole word. You know what I mean? We've been there. Like we're going to take our little piece of daily bread and, and that's all we're going to do and, and we're going to move on. And I'm too busy to really get into the Bible and I'm too busy. And now I, I'm not discounting. You know what? Sometimes I, I was reading. I, I, I sent out to, to read. I don't even remember what... Um, what book it was. I was in the New Testament one morning and I was just going to read one of, the, one of the smaller books in there and I couldn't get past like verse three because it was like, man, there's something there and I just meditated on that verse. That's different, okay? It's different when God gives you a verse that to meditate on and, and, and it brings life to your life. We're t I'm talking about when we take just little bits and pieces of what we want, like a smorgasbord or like a buffet, those little bits and pieces of God's word and try to be effective, try to use it as effectively. But what we need to do, like we need to do like what they did in the third movie. And what they did is they went to the elves and they said, please, you need to reforge the sword. You need to reforge the sword so that it can bring victory. And that's what God is challenging us to do as far as the word of God goes. Reforge the sword in your own lives. Get that sword. Figure out what the full word of God means to you and apply that to your life. In Joshua 1.8, God tells us, to study this book of the law continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I want to prosper and succeed. I really do. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20 says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as reminders on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Stop there. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your children. Church is for them. The gospel is for them. They're not too young. I was listening to a, an interview the other day, and her grandma, this girl's grandma, prayed over her, and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit at five years old. Kids are not too young. Teach them to your children. That's your responsibility. They come to children's church one hour a week. If they come on Wednesdays, two hours a week. Think about the influence the world has on them. We need to teach the word of God to our children. <clears throat> okay. Teach them to your children, speaking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. God wants us to use the entire word, and he wants us to have it as a living, breathing part of our daily lives, not just church on Sunday or once a month or whenever we can get here. He's also given us the weapon of prayer. Daily prayer is a daily battle where we take up the word of God and take an offensive stand against the enemy. Prayer is what holds all of our armor together. Prayer is the vehicle. I imagine it being like a tank. Prayer is the vehicle that carries us through the battle. Amen. Prayer keeps our armor in place and intact, and through prayer we not only defeat the enemy, but we keep him in his place, which is defeated. Prayer is the battlefield. Amen. God's given us a weapon of worship. And I'm telling you what, our worship team is learning how to use that weapon. You know, the song we sang today, chains, fall, fear, bow, hear, now. 
Jesus changes everything. Lives healed, hope found here and now. Now. Don't just let it be words that, we, that are on the board. Let it be declarations that change your life. You know, a lot of times we come in and it's like, oh, I don't like the, that singer or I don't like the songs we're doing today. Oh, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. We, live up, we lift up our offering of praise. If you don't like the song we're singing, then it's more of an offering. It's more of a sacrifice. And guess what? God's going to meet us there. God's going to meet us. We went to this little church years, years, years ago. Years ago, we went to this little church. It was a little suburb of Sacramento. I think it's called Roseville. And this little bitty store, storefront church, and there was maybe, there was about probably 65 people packed into this little bitty room. And um, it was the worst worship service I'd ever been to, to date. But I'm telling you what, the presence of God was there. They had a little boom, not even a boom box. It was just a little tape deck, you know? And it, I mean, like from the 70s. <laughs> that was a long time ago. No. <laughs> and so this little tape deck, and they had the cassettes ready, and they would just, you know, because that was all they had. They didn't have any musicians, which is fine, you know? And um, so they put the tape in. And they pushed play, and when the people heard, what, they just knew because they, they're, they're, they only had a few cassettes, you know. And so they sang their favorite song every week. <laughs> and, um, but as soon as they heard which song it was, they lifted their voices in one accord, and it was so loud that you couldn't even hear the tape deck anymore. And all you could hear was the praises of God's people. Off key, on key, doesn't matter, out of timing. Amen. Presence of God was there presence of God. I was blown away. I mean, blown away. I still am. was blown away at the presence of God. And God did great things in the hearts of those people. Why? Because they worshiped and they offered that sacrifice of praise. Whether they felt like it or not, they gave it. You know, there's times when we don't feel like it. You think Paul and Silas felt like it when they were in prison? You know, it's interesting in Acts uh, 16, it talks about Paul and Silas being in prison. <laughs> you think that <laughs> there, there's a reason why the Spirit of God didn't fall till midnight. I think they had to get their attitude adjusted. <laughs> you know? I think so. I think, you know, here we are getting beat again <laughs> and thrown in prison again in stocks again. I think they had to get their attitude right. But they did. The important thing is that they did. They had a heart for God. They said, okay, God, here we are again. And they lifted up that sacrifice of praise. And God brought wonderful, wonderful deliverance, not just to them, but they saw this salvation of an entire household. Read that story. They saw the salvation of the jailer and his household. That means his wife, his kids, Parents, grandparents, servants, anyone in his household that said his household was saved. Amen. And they, why? Because they lifted up a sacrifice of place. They used worship as a, as a weapon. We have the weapon of our testimony. Revelations 12, 11 says they have, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 
that's all they needed. The blood of the lamb and somebody testify of the goodness of Jesus. Amen. And they use that as a weapon in their life. There's the weapon of communion. By using the body and the blood of Jesus regularly to claim healing, we can have spirit, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial healing. All healing was brought, bought and paid for on the cross. So by doing the act of communion, just the act of communion, even in our house, this reminds the devil that he's the biggest loser around. Amen. You lost. Oh, remember this day? You lost this day. Oh, remember? <laughs> you lost. One more weapon and I'll be done. Weapon of our words. Our words can either help or hinder. If we don't have the words to speak, then we need to speak his word. If we don't have anything positive to say, say his word. His word. What does his word say? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. If that's all we can think of, that's all we can pull out, it's good enough. It's the word of God. Use our words. Watch your words. Watch your words. Language has the power to elevate or demean, to bless or curse, to heal or wound. Let's use our words to bring heaven to earth. So when I ask you today, how long before you claim your promise? Are you one of the ones, are, we, are you like Caleb saying, nope, I'm going, I'm going, I want everything that God has for me? Or are you one of the ones hanging out by the Jordan River, playing beach volleyball, waiting for somebody else to do it for you? How long before you lay claim to your promised land? We need to be like Caleb. You know, I was sharing with First Service, and I, I really do believe that Caleb picked that particular area to redeem his brethren. Because it was because they said they looked and they saw the, the big walls and they saw the size of the people and how fortified everything was. And he looked and they saw that and it made them afraid. And Caleb said, you know what? That what took my brothers down. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get paybacks. Amen. And I, that's my land. I'm taking that land. I'm taking that land. And we need to be that way. We need to look at what we have. We need to look at what God has for us and say, I'm taking that land. I want that abundant life. I want that peace that passes all understanding. I want that joy unspeakable and full of glory. We need to get to the point where our battle cry is, I am mad at hell and I am not going to take it anymore. Change it around. Flip it around. If somebody was, somebody was hurting my grandkids, I'm telling you what. I may all look nice here. It won't be a pretty sight. I have to ask for forgiveness later. That's the pastor's wife. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what I mean, mamas? Yeah. We need to get that way spiritually. The devil is pounding on our kids we need to tell them, back off. I'm mad at hell. I'm not going to take it today or any other day. Get off my kids, Satan. Get off my family. Get off my marriage. Get off my parents' health. 
Come on. We need to take the offensive. And we need to let the devil know he's a loser. Just a loser. He's just a loser. Hallelujah. That's all I have today. Hallelujah. Will you stand? I want to pray over you. Close your eyes for just a minute. Close your eyes for just a minute. Romans 8 has some great things in there, but one of them. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither life nor death, death, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you put your hands in front of you like you're ready to receive something, because God wants to give you a gift this morning. Father God, I pray right now. I pray right now for overwhelming victory. God, I release your overwhelming victory in the lives of people today, Lord God. I release your peace. I release your abundance into their lives right now. Father God, that you would just shower them with your love. Blow on through and only do what only you can do, Lord God. Father God, we receive your love. We receive everything that you have. We receive victory. We receive victory. Hallelujah. And today, from this day forward, we are going on the offensive. We are going to stand in your name. We are going to stand by your word. We are going to claim your promises. And we are going to see the goodness of God here in the land of the living. And I bestow that upon this congregation. I release that into this house right now. And I give you grace. I, I, I give you, oh, hallelujah. I pray supernatural grace upon their lives. And I just thank you, God. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can I have the prayer team come up, our ministry team? If you have anything that you need to pray for, I'm telling you what, these people know how to touch heaven. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.